This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Free speech lives here. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT HD, WOGL HD3, Philadelphia, a radio.com station. Now, from the Malamut and Associates Law Studios, it's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your host for the next radio hour. The Mortgage Mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right, good morning. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, The Mortgage Mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I am fabulous, Mark. Very good. Very good. That's the way to be. Fabulous. And we're here. We're here excited every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. to keep you guys informed on real estate, commercial, residential. Because we're the only show in town talking about this. And we need to keep you informed. And you give us a call. My number is 267 266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. So call us. We answer. And we're here to help in any way you can. And you can listen to this show and the past shows at goodnewsandrealestate.com and also at WPHT's website. So, Deanne, what's coming up today? Mark, coming up on today's show is we have the market report. Got one for you. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yes. Really good segments. Really good segments. We also have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. We also have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? Why you should use me. Ooh, mortgage mom. Why should you (laughs) use mortgage mom? That's a good one. This is a good topic. This is a pretty good topic. (laughs) (laughs) If I do say so myself. We also have our questions, Mark. Buyer's agent outright lying. Tomorrow we are supposed to make our official offer. However, I had a feeling that something was not right with the original places we liked. What do you think? The next question Mm. is, need some advice on buying tactics when buying. We can help that. Next question is, my question involves a couple who had placed an offer on a home that they wished to buy. The offer was accepted by the seller and the couple was given a 10-day inspection period. During the inspection, the buyers issued several complaints. Now, the buyers are requesting a reduction in price. Next question is, I have been told two different things by different people. How common or uncommon is it for the seller to pay for the closing costs? Go on. Next question is, how much impact does the home type have on mortgage rates? Interesting. Mark, we also have our topic of the day. Which is what? Over... Over 55 communities, how do they work and is it worth it? 
Yeah, I did this one because I'm starting to get closer to 55, so. Closer to what? 55. Okay. <laughs> Mark, first, give us your, I thought that was your funny story, sorry. Uh, um, first, <laughs> give us your motivational quote. All right, and the motivational quote is, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. And that's what people get hung up on. So that is the motivational quote. And now I'm very motivated. There you go. <laughs> so where are we at? Mark, we are up to the market report. The market report. And there is the bell. So all times, all types of loans continue to experience drops in forbearance. All the doom and gloom out there about, oh, uh, in 2021, there's going to be all these foreclosures. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. All types of them are, there's a big drop. Uh, the U.S. forbearance rate measuring the share of mortgages with suspended payments fell 16 basic points to 5.6% last week with Four of five loan types dropping by double-digit basic points. That means, you know, that's why the economy is getting a lot better and things, people are, people did pay their mortgages. And I gave a number about, I don't know, a month ago that 80% of the rentals were paying their rental time. So it wasn't like the economy was so good. People had some cash. So the share of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, and forbearance fell 17 basis points uh, last week to 3.9%, making the 22nd week in a row for the forbearance rate has dropped. That's really good news. Really good news. I know. And the doom and gloomers, I see them on Facebook. You know, I hate the doom and gloomers, but, you know, they're, they're always out there. But anyway, the rate for Ginny May loans, which include loans backed by the Federal Housing Administration, also continued their decline last week, falling 18 basis points down to 7.9%. So it's not going to, there's not going to be this giant foreclosure thing in 21. I talked about it last week, what, in 08? Only 5.1% of the people in the country were in forbearance in the worst market in history. Not 50% or 25%, 5%. So all these myths, that's the, like the 20% down myth. They're all out there. The U.S. unemployment rate in October hit a p- new pandemic low of 6.9%. We were up to what, 20-something? We're least. down to 6, 6.9% and we were at 36 when the thing started. So we a whole for a whole percentage point drop in one month, and with 1.5 million people making up that percentage drop, the department estimates now that 11. Uh, uh, it's down to I forget what the latest is 7.6 as of today. I think the speed of the housing recovery from April's trough of has been impressive since the what was it March 16th when it all started. The rebound has supported by a cumulative fiscal and monetary policy. The sudden loss of income triggered by the pandemic was partly muted by income tax returns, uh, some of the unemployment insurance for laid off workers, small business loans to maintain employment during the Paycheck Protection Program. The Federal Reserve took immediate steps to cut short term interest rates to nearly zero. That accelerated the purchase of U.S. Treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities to, to lower long-term rates. The record low interest rates 
on the fixed mortgages fueled by the largest refinance boom since 2012 led a snapback in home sales. By July, we were above a year ago levels. Spring buying season has not been extinguished by only delayed to the summertime and now to now. But, you know, what does that have in store for the future? There's a heightened amount of uncertainty on the market outlook, given the difficulty of forecasting with the virus. But now with COVID-19, you have all this national shelter in place orders, the dip in the the recession's getting better. At the other end of the gamut, new medical treatments, a vaccine, which could be coming out, who could who could put the virus behind us and usher in a vibrant recovery. Sometimes between these two extremes is the most likely outcome with the economic growth creating millions of jobs. I think it was almost a million jobs was created this month in November. And with unemployment rate, down to around seven percent so once the new year hits and i think the the virus one of the things that's bugging me the most about the virus what's bugging you the most mark all these people that are coming up and there's new cases new cases new cases they keep forgetting they never ever mention the media because they're so negative that now they're testing like millions of people a month so if you test millions and millions of people, you're going to find more sure. cases. But they never throw that little caveat in at the end. It's just like there's more cases. And I read some another one from our illustrious Governor Wolf, some long, drawn-out thing by every employment sector and the increase. You know, and they never talk about they never talk about more testing ever. So we're all positive all the time. Things are looking good. 21's going to be banging. So get ready. Speaking Speaking. of banging, let's talk about the rates real quick. Oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) That was an interesting lead-in. Wow. All right. So 30-year fixed, 2.625 to 2.75. Again, depending on credit. 15-year, 2.625. Your 30-year FHA, 2.75. If you are not calling me at 609-605-7153 to refinance, what are you waiting for? Yeah, we're at a 12-year high of refi. Unbelievable. That almost almost rhymes. A 12-year high in refi. (laughs) And what's the refi rate right now? Anywhere from 2.625 to 2.75. And then if you spend a few bucks, you could get down to, like you said last week, 2.2. 2.25, 2.5. 2. 2. Again, depending you know, depending on what your credit score is, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Let's talk about it, Mark. Mr. Devlin, give me a call. <laughs> All right, so there are some great rates. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210. And we are very all positive all the time today. And we'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt-Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. Hi, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. 
all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we are up to your funny story. So I got one for you. So these three sisters, they live together in this big old house. They're 92, 94, and 96, and they live together. So one night, the 96-year-old, she draws a bath, and she puts her foot in, and she pauses, and she yells to the other sisters, was I getting in or out of the bath? And the 94-year-old <laughs> yells back, I don't know, I'll come up and see. She starts up the stairs and pauses. She goes, and she points to the 92-year-old. She goes, was I going up the stairs or down the stairs? And the 92-year-old, sitting at the kitchen table, starts shaking her head. She's sitting there with a cup of tea. She goes, I hope I never get as for forgetful as that, knock on wood. And then she yells, I'll come up and check on both of you as soon as I answer the door. <laughs> oh, my God. That was cute. That was cute. I'll give you that one. All right. That was cute. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear on our show, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. And now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with the Ann Katsaris from Green Tree Mortgage, the Mortgage Mom. And her topic is, why should you use the Mortgage Mom? Now, I know the answer, but you got to tell them. So we're pausing. Hi, everyone. Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom, here from Green Tree Mortgage Company LP, taping my radio show, Good News in Real Estate, with my favorite host, Mr. Mark Cumberland. <laughs> I wish you could hear him. He just, <laughs> but it's not going to work. Basically, just want to do the introduction for the show. The show will air on Sunday at 9 a.m. on 12:10. Be sure to tune in. But here's an excerpt. Let's roll. All right. So. So my why topic. Sh why should we use the mortgage, Mom? I want to know. All right. So my topic today is why should you use me? And basically, a lot of the information, you know, people talk about what great rates they have, they have in-house underwriting, they can close your loan in less than 30 days. All of this is true. We go a little bit further. I have a phenomenal team, and I like to call myself a consultant and not just a loan originator. And the reason being is because we will take your goals, your wants, also your needs, and your desires and make them into a reality or help to alter them to make them a reality. We dig deep, we ask the questions that we want our clients or what they need to know. Like, why should you use me? We challenge what the industry is doing by winning on people. When you are a consultant, you're not just convincing people to use you. You are instead motivating and compelling them to wanna to go through the process of getting a home with you. I'm also a negotiator. Those of you that are into motivational and personal development um, may have heard of Brian Tracy, but Brian Tracy calls the process of purchasing a home an integrated complexity. And it means that there are so many different people involved in so many different parts of your, of your processing your loan. So from time to time, things will happen. And at one given time, there's no less than 30 people that are actually touching your file from start to finish. And yep. all of them play a role in closing your loan on time. 
There are additional, additionally, there's probably about a hundred things that could go wrong in the process. And with my team, we try to eliminate all a hundred of them. We also call it bedside manner. It's our ability to manage your fears and expectations. And that's the number one thing that most people fail when they're trying to win people. Whether it's good news or bad news, my team is gonna facilitate that to you right away. And if it is bad news, we're gonna do whatever we can to get you down that road to home ownership. So this is our competitive advantage over all of the other people. Um, we say competitors, but we don't really call them competitors because honestly, again, there's no one that does we, what we do. Our focus is on how we create an experience for our clients to compel them and motivate them to want to do business with us and eventually refer their friends and family. Remember, you can't do this part with the client experience right unless you are a member of being amazed consultant and are an expert in juggling the process of negotiating. So Mark, we take that as a big plus with our team because again, you have Jackie who is my phenomenal processor, you have Kim who is processor slash assistant. I don't even wanna call her assistant, she's more like a loan partner. But together as a team, you have my son Tommy that jo just joined us. He's been on the team for about three years now, um, but he went full-time in March and he's been knocking it out of the park. Our goal is to help you with the goal of home ownership and do it as smoothly as possible. Answering your questions, educating you. I mean, knowledge is power, wouldn't you agree? No doubt. It's so important about these team members because there's a lot of mortgage guys and women that show up at offices trying to convince realtors and they're all by themselves. And they gotta deal with everything. What's You have a team. What, what's the advantage that you have? So basically, the, I get to be the, the person in the front. I'm the person that will talk to the client, right? Most of my business comes from, from referrals, from realtors, or from past clients. So I have the opportunity to talk to them, educate them on the process, take their actual application, and be able to pass it off to the experts that actually do the application. So right. my job is to find out what loan is gonna best fit their needs. But then I'm not a processor, right? I'm not that detail-oriented person that reviews the pay stubs, that looks at the bank statements. That's just not my forte. And that's what Kim does, that's what Jackie does. So as a team, we all have a very, very important role making sure that that person gets to the table. And as that person gets handed off to the next person, the education process begins. Because right. a lot of people will say to me, you know, why do we need all this information? I just had it the other day where a woman said, I just want to get pre-qualified. Just run my credit. I told you I have a job. This is how much I make. Let me know how much I can afford. And I told her that I don't do pre-qualifications. We do pre-approvals. We don't want to go down that road where you fall in love with a house Right. And I collect all your documents. I mean, we've said this over and over again. And no, then I tell you that you're mistake. not able to actually purchase. And the and my client said, well, do you think I'm lying to you when I tell you how much I make? 
And I said, you know what? It has absolutely nothing to do with that. But what it does have to do with is making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. She had never purchased a home before. So once I went through that entire process with her, she was extremely comfortable. It made sense. And I was able to collect all of her information. Yeah. Plus, she's going to she's in 2020 market. If you don't right. have everything in a row and the listing agent asks for all that stuff, you're not getting the house. Exactly. And you're we not, and you're not winning that bid. Right. And when I send out that pre-approval mark, I want to make sure that the only thing that's standing in the way of my client getting that home is title and an appraisal. That's, that's it. Right. That's right. And, and most people don't understand that. You right. Know? Right. There's a lot to it. That's why when I turn a client over to you, I, I tell I tell them, talk to Deanne, give them everything you need, and then she'll let me know when you're ready to buy. And and that's how it works. You finally call me up and you say, they're good to go. That's right. when I show them houses. Otherwise, we could be wasting our time because they could find something that, and we don't have everything we need to submit the offer. And now we got four other competitors. And then that makes my negotiating and my bidding harder. Right. You know. I appreciate so. that, Mark. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to give me a call at 609-605-7153. Very good. And coming up next is our question and answer segment. All right. So with that, that was a great topic. And one of your one of my favorite favorite people you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> thanks mark so with that you're listening to good news and real estate here on talk radio 1210 wpht all positive all the time we'll be right back Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHTO Positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to our question and answer segment. So what's the first one? The first question is... Buyer's agent outright lying. I hate when people say that. Tomorrow we're supposed to make our official offer. However, I had a feeling that something was not right with the original places we liked. After emailing another realtor, I discovered that rentals are allowed there. Our realtor flat out lied to us. She knew these places were on the top of our list as well. Well... So apparently this is a condo or something or some kind of development where they allow rentals and they were told that there weren't anything. You fire that agent. Right. You know, if, if somebody's going to lie to you, uh, that's a, a reason to void that contract. So you fire that agent. I mean, you can't deal with people that are not truthful. But that can, that can, that's a big reason. I mean, sometimes people, like there's a rule. What's the FHA rule now? 25%? For owner-occupant, it's actually 51. Wow, it's up to 51? Yep. All right, so so if you're buying in a condo, I remember I sold some uh, at a Toll Brothers development, and the, a lot of the owners were starting to get upset because there was starting to be too many rental units. Uh, so if this agent did this, he's just doing this or she's doing this, they make a commission, fire them. Right. All right, what's the next one? The next question is, we need some advice on buying tactics 
when buying. So this is somebody that's brand new, starting out. First thing you do is something what you just talked about. The number one thing to do before you go, you can start looking online, which like 90% of the buyers do. They start looking online in neighborhoods and houses. But first thing you should do is you get hooked up with Deanne and you get pre-approved and you get all your tax returns in, everything done, and you know exactly how far, how high. What I always tell Deanne is pre-approve them as high as they can and we can shop down from there and that determines our monthly payment according to the taxes and everything else but you do that pre-approval thing first get all that done before you go out starting looking at houses because why look at something that you might not afford or you're looking at something at two hundred thousand and you really could buy up to three hundred thousand so you need to understand and then you need to hire a really good agent Somebody that's been in the business, somebody knows how to negotiate because you're in a, definitely going to be in a bidding war. So you want somebody that's going to be able to negotiate and you win. They're the two biggest things you need to do in the beginning. And then the third thing is stay calm. I always tell them, you know, you're going to get buyer's remorse as this things go. You're going to be nervous. So when you get nervous, eat an M&M and uh, <laughs> relax. But, you know, that's without getting into it too far, there are the two major things to do. Hire right, a really good mortgage lender like Deanne and a really good agent. And yeah, start from that's there. great advice, Mark. The other the other thing that we talk about, too, is, you know, being able to to sell the buyers. We talked about maybe doing a brochure, talking a little bit about the family how many kids there are, what their hobbies right. are. Maybe even send a picture of them because that way you're personalizing the offer. It's not just a number on a piece of paper. That's right. I always send a, uh, a, a letter to the buyer and to the sellers from the buyer uh, because it's personal. It's not always about money. Everybody thinks real estate's all about money. It's not. I've seen a lot of, lot of deals where I was shocked that a seller took the price 20,000 lower because they like the family. Right. You know, and it wasn't about money. So, what's the next one? The next question is My question involves a couple who had placed an offer on a home that they wished to buy. The offer was accepted by the seller, and the couple were giving a 10 day inspection period. During the inspection, the buyers issued several complaints, ranging from wanting the house painted inside and out, new carpets, repair of scratches made by the seller's cat, etc. <laughs> The buyers are requesting a reduction in price of the home by $15,000. In your opinion, a common practice that is done by buyers in order to lower the price of the home that they're buying, is this something that usually works? Do sellers generally meet them halfway on the cost of the repair? Thanks for any advice or opinions you may have. Well, there's a lot of things to consider. I'll try to do this quickly. The $15,000 number... Uh, just by lowering the price doesn't save this, uh, the buyer any cash out of their pocket. So you're lowering the price, and it might save them a little bit on their monthly mortgage, but not much at these rates. But the repairs, asking for little stuff, sometimes, you know, some scratches on the paint. I mean, you could do that. So... Uh, you should be really concerned about the major systems to make sure things are doing that. 
But if they're doing it just to try to knock the price down, fifteen thousand on what on today's rates on a thirty year, was that fifteen twenty bucks a month? Not even. So, and, and so you're not. It's not like you're saving fifteen thousand dollars in closing costs that you're putting out of your pocket. That's over thirty years on a mortgage that you're not going to have for thirty years. Average life of a mortgage is eight years. So I, I don't know. This is not the way I would negotiate. Not in today's market. Yeah, I would not negotiate this way. At do right. sours split the baby and meet you halfway? Sometimes they do. I just had one recently where we bumped the price up a little bit to cover the seller assist. So, you know, the, the seller felt like they were giving. The buyer was getting a little bit, but it didn't. But we met in the middle and we split the baby and everybody ended up happy. So, but just is it common? Every deal is different. I always tell all the, all the newbies and all the realtors that ever work for me, you're never going to do two deals the same. You could sell $10,000 houses in a row and every deal is going to be different. Right. That's the great thing about real estate. You never know what's going to come up. You know? That's right. What's That's the next right. one? And it's not always the highest, you know, the highest offer that wins too. Again, no. it goes back to that, you know, that personalized feeling and, you know. That's right. Remember I had uh, my friend Lou, like he didn't like the buyer and he was going to burn the curtains. <laughs> burn the the, the 36,000 dollar window treatments cuz he didn't like the buyer. <laughs> I'm like, "Calm down, Lou." <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into the next question. So right. I've been told two different things by two different different people. How common or uncommon is it for the seller to pay closing costs? Actually, seller assist is a pretty common thing. It doesn't Not happen on every deal. But like, uh, you know, now, right now, you're in a little bit of a more of a bidding war. You might have to bump up the price to get it. But I've been, ever since I got my license, I've been involved in tons of uh deals with seller assist it's a negotiating tactic and you know a lot of people were americans america is the best greatest country in the world we have good incomes we don't have we have good credit and we don't have a lot of savings so seller assist <laughs> can solve that problem you know it's great to be an american man <laughs> what's the next one next question real quick how much impact does the home type have on mortgage rates um, the only difference, Mark, on that's really going to be if it's a condo um, or a single-family home. And depending on what state you're in, if you get into multifamily. Um, and it's only a slight difference, but there is, it's what we call a hit on the rate. And right. that means if you have a condo, the rate could be just a little bit higher, depending on what city you're in. And if it's a multifamily, depending on what state you're in not city it depends on the state that you're in could have a little bit of impact but again nothing nothing major do we have time for another one or is that we it? do not so oh. we're going to go right into um coming up next is going to be our topic of the day which is over 55 communities how do they work and is it worth it all right very good so with that you're listening to good news in real estate here on talk radio 1210 all positive all the time we'll be right back 
Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, which Which is is? over 55 communities. How do they work, and is it worth it? All right. Well, I figured I'd bring this up because there's a lot of these popping up, and they've been popping up for a long time now. i got a long way to go before I can even apply. I know. What, like 20 years? (laughs) (laughs) Developers of real estate communities that come up with different terms for different developments. The term 55 plus specifies an age-restricted community. Typically, at least one of the residents must be, if it's a couple, 55 years old. Some other communities have a minimum age of 50, while others specify that residents must be 60 or over. Generally speaking, one of the spouses can be under the age. If that situation applies to you, you should check with the restrictions before you get too interested. Children, grandchildren are generally not welcome as long-term residents. Legal basis of age is restricted communities for 55-plus developments is frequently asked about. The Housing of Older Persons Act, HOPA, signed into law by President Clinton back in 95, amended housing for older persons as exemption against discrimination. It was an exemption. Because before that, you couldn't discriminate like that. Uh, only two people over 55. There are several requirements that must be met. The main one being 80% of the residents must be occupied by at least one person who is 55. Now, here's what you should ask before you get in there. Who owns the land your home sits on? Some communities own the land under their member's home, but in other cases, the developer or other investors own it. In the latter case, you you can count on a steady rent increases and possibly uncertain future because you you don't own the ground. Sometimes there's a plan for the community association to buy the land in a certain number of years down the road under certain conditions. Two, how solid is the financial situation of your developer or association? <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't want to be, you know, in buying one of these things where this developer's in trouble. There are a lot of host of questions under this topic, but the basic one is... Can they weather a storm, either physically, you know, hurricanes, whatever, fire, financially, or, you know, it's worth examining their budget. And I and most of the time in these things, you get to look at their budget and see what kind of financial stability they're in. Because you don't want to maybe move into one that's on the brink of, like, going under. Contingent liabilities are what you don't want. There are possible lawsuits and claims. Three... Is there a sinking fund? Uh, what a sinking fund is, that's a fund put aside for maintenance. As baby boomers, you have learned by now that roofs wear out, just like air conditioning. You went through this about a year ago, right? With your condo? Yep. Yep. Like the air conditioning, yep. sept, septing systems. The smart organization has a sinking reserve fund that prepares for these eventualities. If they don't have enough money put away, then they hit you with an assessment and everybody has to chip in. A cash call. 
The less yeah, savvy. But Mark, I want to make sure that people don't think that I was in a 55 and over community when that happened. Uh, yeah, Just I know. clarifying. Yeah. yeah, you were in a condo with a condo association. Okay. But the savvy ones will be, you know, ready for a big hit if something happens. The age, the condition of your development is very important. If you see signs of major maintenance being postponed, look out. Four, what type of assessments have there been? Look for stability, predictability. Sooner or later, almost every development that is community-owned will have an assessment. And that means they're going to come back to you and your monthly assessment bill is going to go up. If it's erratic, big surprises are bad signs. So, you know, like the I, I had a friend that was involved one down in Ocean City, Maryland, and it turned out there was some collusion going on with somebody on the board, and they kept saying, oh, the roof got screwed up again, and every year he was giving his buddy and getting a kickback, and he was redoing the roof. So you want to be careful. And what is the reputation of the builder and developer? Sometimes you might love the property and the concept, but the developer, the development is relatively new. In that case, you need to do some due diligence, find out everything you can do about their past projects. In case a big name developer, you can go online, you can usually check them out on Google. You can demand references, ask them questions, caution, there will always be some unhappy buyers that are gonna give bad reviews, but you have to look for signs where the developer did the best to resolve the complaint. Happy customers are a good sign. Next one is, what is going to happen with the adjacent property? Be cautious. In a brand new development, everything looks great. And then one day you wake up and you smell the bulldozers across the street and you find out that there's this big new thing being built right across from your development. So deed restrictions on your deed and what's happening around you can be a wonderful thing. Next, can a community handle future growth? And, uh, you know, if things are happening, you know, are they going to be able to take care of it? And the last one, what kind of rules do you have to follow? Read them real fast. Read them. Make sure there's no crazy rules in there about pets and everything else and your family visiting. No parking, parking restrictions, dress codes. Like some of these uh, associations are like civic groups and they get carried away. And what's the political atmosphere of the community association? So, you know, do some due diligence before you buy. Absolutely. There's more. We don't have time for it. But the bottom line is read everything and Google everything and find out as much as you can do before you buy. Very good, Mark. A lot of information in there. There's Um, a lot of information in there. Yep, absolutely. And so coming up next is our topic. Um, with Dr. Abelson, and his topic is the leader's role in building high-performance teams. Yes, and we've been doing a series on teams for the last few weeks. It's been really good. Doctor, are you there? Sure, Mark. And what I want to talk about today is is really what you need to do in every team culture. Okay, it's really about the culture because there's certain things you want to make sure that you have in your culture that go along with whatever the project is because the reality of it is people are people. So let me just jump right into several things because I have uh, about seven or eight different things that I really think you need to build into your culture. One of them is you need to respect other people. And it's crazy what we're seeing in our culture right now that that people seem to be polarized. You know, and and if you are, um, if you have one belief, 
you're no good. And if you have this other belief, you're no good. But everybody's saying no, the other person is no good unless you believe the way they do. Well, teams yeah. don't operate that way, and they don't nope. operate well that way because you can't have this polarization. Now, you don't have to agree with someone, okay? You don't have to believe that they're correct, but at least give them the respect to allow them to share their point of view. And then it's up to the leader to bring that point of view together so people are working more effectively together. Another aspect deals with trust. There needs to be trust in a team. Uh, if, if there isn't trust, if you don't have a culture of trust, and if there are all these side deals that are going on you know, behind the scene, then you're not going to have an effective team because people aren't going to be able to trust the leader. And they're not going to be able to trust people inside, and they're not going to be willing to take a risk and share information that is really needed to be successful in the team, especially with what's going on right now with COVID. You know, and, and a lot of people believe we're starting to come out of it. Uh, there's some terms you know we're hearing that there are some vaccines that are that are just about ready for development which is awesome but now you have to deal with all the harsh feelings that have created you know in this polarization that we've had in the states okay yep. and, and and to bring it together one of the easiest ways to do that is to communicate the more you communicate in an honest way the more likely you are to build trust within within your team trust is like key i, I let, your segment last week was great and I mentioned on there, when I when I ran the big real estate offices, and I've ran a few, my culture. I had different committees, and my culture committee was the most important culture because if you have a great culture, everything falls in place. And and this team thing, this this team leader of this culture, really needs to understand that. Right, and and you need to lead by example. So, you, so the leader needs to demonstrate respect, even if they disagree with somebody. The, the, the leader needs to be willing to take a risk and share some things. Now, if you're not sure whether you can really share them, share little things first, you know, and, and build, build that trust instead of blurting out something that for sure you don't want other people to know. I mean, because there is this thing that if, if especially in different real estate offices and, and real estate is notorious for this is if, if one person knows everybody knows okay right. so you have to build a trust where there are certain things that you feel that people will keep to themselves and use effectively and not abuse that information under that trust all right that was very good you know what doctor think about a good topic for us for next sunday because uh, that was a great series on teams tell everybody how to get a all hold right, of thanks. doctor dr abelson and the abelson group it's real easy. It's just dr. Period a at Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N.net, or just go to our website, Abelson.net. Thanks, Doctor. Very good. Thank you, Dr. A. If Thanks, you have guys. any questions, if you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a special thanks for everybody tuning in every Sunday at 9 a.m. And our sponsors for keeping us on the air. And we're looking for two more sponsors. we got a couple spots. And you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, Good News and Real Estate. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All, all positive, positive. All, all the time. time. The time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When we make a profit, you see it. Better rates, fewer fees, and we give back to the community. All the things that you want from a financial institution. Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours.